Welcome to the Trades Podcast, a podcast about the business of home improvement and promoting the trades to young adults. In this podcast, we talk with business owners, educators, and professionals about the benefits, skills, and related experiences of the home improvement business. Tips to help you with being successful from entry into the trades or established business owners. In this podcast, we hope to influence some young adults that the trades as a career is a great option leading to full and prosperous life. I'm Danny Torres, an MC, DJ, and podcaster, inspiring young adults by shining light onto career opportunities in our world today. And I'm Jeff Mudd, home improvement contractor, writer of the Millionaire Carpenter series, and podcaster. Stay tuned to 15 to 20 minutes of insightful tips. Right here, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ignite Podcast BBB Studios, right here in San Diego, California. I am DJ Danny. And I'm Jeff Mudd. And this is the tradespodcast.com. And we have a very specific and awesome guest here today. His name is Ken Miller with Ken Miller Welding. Ken, how you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Great Welcome to be in. Here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Welcome in. Uh, like I said, it's a little gloomy out. Usually it's a little sunny. But you love this weather, so that means we're going to have an awesome uh, uh, awesome time on the podcast today. Talk about a little bit more on the welding industry, your history, and um, I think just some super important stories that I think that you'll be able to share with everybody that uh, a, lot of, a lot of people in the country can relate to. Absolutely. Yeah, but, we've got uh, some interesting uh, facts that I just learned about Ken. I've known him for a few years, so this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So if you could, yeah, uh, introduce yourself to the world um, and then uh, a little bit about Ken, Ken Miller Welding, and uh, you can start off right there. Okay, yeah. yeah. I am uh, Kenneth Miller. I'm, I'm from Illinois. Uh, I own Ken Miller Welding in, here in San Diego. Um, got into my trade through the Air Force. I joined the Air Force after high school um, and became a welder through uh, their training. Uh, actually was jet engine repair. If anybody's familiar with uh, jets, we worked uh, mostly on T-38 and F-5s, which is uh, training, uh, training planes or jets for the fighter pilots. Oh. Um, so when I was, I was stationed at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas, uh, for four years and uh, got a lot of good experience there um, welding on jet engine, jet yeah. engine parts. Yeah. And that, that's what got you to the, uh, uh, to San Diego? Yeah. I, I visited San Diego. One of my fellow um, uh, persons that I worked with was from San Diego, another welder that was in the welding shop. He had been in two years earlier than me. He's a little bit older. Um, he was from San Diego. His dad was Navy. So he traveled around a little bit and ended up in San Diego. So when he got out a couple of years prior to me getting out, I came down to visit him and, uh, fell in love with San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. It's no more snow. <laughs> <laughs> that maybe a little bit more sunshine yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I want snow, I can go to the mountain, but in Illinois, you know, you, you shovel in snow every year. So. Yeah. I wanted to go to where the sun was, and uh, um, yeah, after the Air Force, came down to San Diego. So that's how I got it here in 1984. Nice, and and um, I th- we talked about it that you've you've been you had the Ken Miller Welding Company for uh, since '94, um, 1996. 1996. Mm-hmm. 1996. Yes. Um, 
I think we talked about it. I'm, I'm on the same boat. My math is not great, but that's a lot of years to be in business. Yes. And I mean, that's amazing for you to be at where you're at right now. And, um, you know, obviously the website that you have, I mean, uh, we were talking about it earlier where it's, you, you look at the photos that you do when you're welding yeah. and it's your signature. And that's, that's, I mean, for anybody that's looking for a good welder, you look at their jobs, that's, that's literally your resume. Right. You yeah. Know? And, uh, yeah, you can tell if someone has some experience and knows what they're doing versus someone that doesn't. Yeah. And yeah. What type of jobs are you and your crew working on right now? Um, primarily we've in, in the past, we've done machine shop parts and sheet metal parts. Uh, a lot of it is, uh, electronics generated, uh, people, you know, putting, uh, assemblies, computer cabinets, things like that together. Um, and, for me, the nice part about what I do, I have a little niche where I'm not building the parts per se that need to be welded. 99% of what I do is pre-made, brought to me, and I weld it together. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of machine shop parts, a lot of sheet metal parts. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, steel, aluminum, or stainless steel are most of the basic metals that we work on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, are those and is that with like specific like big companies that are having you put these these parts together or just more like local? I'm usually um a subcontractor of a subcontractor. Okay. And um part of the advantage of that is uh the people that I'm doing work for are subcontractors to government or bigger facilities. Mm -hmm. Uh by being a subcontractor of a subcontractor you don't run into the the red tape or the paperwork that you normally have. I'm approved by the people I do work for, yeah. and they're approved by the government or larger facilities. Right. So it's uh, it's a little easier. Yeah. 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 No, it's always good to be tied in with those type of companies because yeah. different opportunities end up coming up, and uh, usually with government work like that, it's just endless work too. Yeah, it's a lot. It can come and go, but uh, we're pretty diverse. Um, we do a lot of uh, government um, through subcontractors, but we also work directly with uh, local companies. Mm. I do a lot of work for different um, smaller machine shops or smaller sheet metal shops. Or, or contractors that don't know what they have a clue uh, what they're yeah. doing. You can to bail them out. And, and what's, <laughs> yeah, what's nice about that is everybody needs something welded, even if you're not building something that's required to be welded, you might have equipment that breaks down mm -hmm. and your equipment needs to be welded. So, yeah. um, you know, the, uh, just like Jeff came okay, in the other gonna, day. I was going to say, is that know, what Jeff was hinting towards? We, <laughs> <laughs> we did a little, little job for Jeff the other day and, uh, you know, it had nothing to do with a product that was being built by the government or, uh, needed certifications or anything like that. Yeah. So, we take care of anybody. Yeah. And I, I want to go back to you a little bit about the, uh, uh, how you got into the field through the Air Force. And what was that experience like within the Air Force of, of learning how to weld the different tools, methods? Um, I mean, you're working on some, obviously, heavy machinery, the fighter pilots. Yeah, uh, the, the, the fighter, the fighter jets. jets. Yeah. Um, engine shop would tear down the, the engines and then, Basically, a lot of it was afterburner, you know, the afterburner liners and afterburner leaves. But, um, yeah, I went to school for, uh, the Air Force sent me to school. It was a 
I think it was like a 12-week school where they teach you how to weld, what the different processes are. And then um, they send you to your base, which I was in Las Vegas at Nellis Air Force Base. And so you're getting hands-on training. Mm -hmm. And um, it's pretty, I don't want to say strict training, but what if you're welding a part on your table, you have a book, a technical order. It's just a binder with instructions on how you're supposed to weld the part that you have on your table. So it, it, it really teaches you to be thorough. And when you're welding that part on your table, your, your, your technical order, your binder is opened up to the step that you're doing on the part. So you, through the process of welding the parts, you always had to have this manual open to the step that you're on in case an officer or somebody came in and asked you. So it taught you discipline, mm -hmm. taught you um, a lot of different uh, um, variations of how you put things together yeah, or how it's supposed to the process of welding. So it reinforced the, the methodology that you had to go through. Very much, steps. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. Um, but it was a, a great experience um, being around uh, other people that are learning the same trade. Um, you're in with guys that have been in, you know, 10, 15 years and guys that are just coming in after I was there a couple of years. Now we have a couple new people in the shop. So yeah. now I get to teach them what I'm learning. Right. Yeah, just and and obviously I think there would probably be a, a a higher standard within the military on how quick you should be picking things up. Um, what was that experience like? Were you able to pick things up, you know, fairly quickly? How uh, how difficult was it? Or? Yeah, I learned pretty fast. There's obviously there's all kinds of different levels in any trade. Yeah. Um, but you're around very smart people, and and uh, you know they walk you through it. Yeah. And help you and get you up to speed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing. And, and how about the, uh, um, you know, you're in, how, how long were you in? Uh, the four years. Four years. So four years. And uh, you saw this as opportunity um, when you were, were leaving uh, the Air Force, when you, um, what, what was that? What was your thought process behind that? Where you're like, I have this trade, I have this skill now. Um, yeah. Was that the plan going into it? Or was that something that you just, that you really said, like, you know what, I'm going to continue to do this because I like it and I can, I, I can make some money off of it. I knew I was going to continue welding. Um, it was, it's funny because I, I told myself no one's going to tell me what to do for 20 years <laughs> being a military, you know, lifer or whatever. Yeah. Um, little did I know that you're being told what to do the rest of your life. So, um, every one of my customers is my boss. Yeah. They come in, this is what we got. This is when we need it. This is, you know, yeah. how I want it done. So, um, but being a young man and thinking that I'm going to be on my own, uh, made me get out or that's the reason I got out of the military. Cause, cause I thought I needed to be, uh, just my own boss. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I got out and I did come to San Diego and I ended up getting a job for general dynamics, electronics division at the time, uh, pretty big company. And, um, welding on aluminum computer cabinets. So, oh, wow. so yeah, I just, uh, those computers are like huge, right? They were huge. Yeah. They were probably, uh, like six foot tall and, yeah. and, um, 
there, well, there's multiple cabinets that were connected together and they're probably six by three foot wide and a couple feet deep or oh. three foot deep, all aluminum. It's four. You have a top and a bottom and two sides, and then they would connect them all together. And, uh, the neat thing about it was that the, 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 the machines that are the instrument instruments themselves were you could replace, you could slide them in and out of these cabinets and okay. update them or whatever. And they were for, uh, F 16 and B one B the B one bomber, which was in the eighties. I got, I got the job in 1984 and was there a couple of years. So the cabinets go in the plane itself? No, they do not. They're, yeah, they're ground support. So oh, okay. the computer that's in the plane, they would take out of the plane after it flew and they would put it into this, uh, computers that are on the ground and, um, you know, do whatever computing, whatever they did. <laughs> that's, and, and one of, one of the things that, uh, you, when you're welding is you don't always know what your end result is or what yeah. it does. Right. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. So, yeah. um, but yeah, that was a great experience. I got a lot of aluminum experience working for that company. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a great point. I mean, uh, certain jobs that, that you, like you said, that you work on, you might not see the end product. Mm-hmm. What are some projects that you know you that you worked on, you know, that it was, you know, something that you can go see every day or that people are using on a daily basis. Right. Um, we, uh, one of them, it wasn't like a, a regular, uh, everyday use, but it was, uh, it was a mini sub submarine or like a underwater pod. And what they were doing, it was, they were experimenting, um, desalination. Mm. So this company, and I can't quite remember the, I don't know if it was uh, SAIC, which is science applications um, company. They were trying to figure out, it takes so much power to desalinate ocean water that it's not really cost effective. Mm. So they were trying to make this experimental sub that went to the bottom of the ocean, whatever that is. And the pressure of the ocean would push the water through this filter. Mm. And um, so I worked on the, the actual submarine, which was probably two feet in diameter and four or six feet long. Yeah. So that was a, a product that I knew the end result. Um, you know, there, it was a sp- experimental thing. Yeah. Now, whatever became of it, they, you know, they never came back and needed my welding services again. So, um, you know, where it went from there, I do not know. But uh, something we work on right now is I, I, one of my customers is Bill Stein, Bill Stein shock absorbers. Yeah. And um, I've worked with Bill Stein for many, many years in the off-road racing department. So I don't assemble or build the shock for them, but I weld pieces and parts on the shocks for them. Thank you so much. I just installed some Bill Steins on my truck uh, last month. Good for you. Yeah. Do yeah. you know what a bypass shock is? Uh, I just installed what the yeah. Rock Auto told me to install. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're getting like a stock replacement. Yeah. It was just stock. When you're racing, they have tubes on the outside of the shock body. Yeah. And that's what we do. We weld the tubes, the extra tubes that go around the outside of the shock body. Yeah. Now, this is for... Um, you know, racing trucks that are doing a hundred miles an hour through whoop de doos. Yeah. So you can build a shock or I weld on the shock and then Bill Stein 
assembles it and sells it. So I know what that and you know, where the end result is for that. That's getting, awesome. Getting back to Is that that division uh, there in Poway? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I drive by, I grew up right there in Poway and drive by it all the time. They have been, um, to, they've been my customer since 1996. They were one, uh, I built one of the first bypass shocks that was ever done and, um, they stuck with me ever since. So, all right. yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I mean, and, and, uh, obviously, you you were able to see those different technologies that they were looking to build through Bilstein. Yeah. How about like the technology through welding? Is it has it always been the same? Uh, I mean, uh, when I think of a welder, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you see that big machine behind them, and they got the the the, the shield, uh, the the helmet, um, and then like I mentioned, it's just usually a, a, that I hear is a skill and your signature on your weld, and is, is that's where you really develop it, but does the technology shift or has it, has it's it changed? changed incredibly um, a lot over the years. Yeah. Think about this back in, um, I don't quote me on the dates, but I think in the forties uh, they, they would take when electric welding actually started. Cause before that, everything was gas welded, yeah. you know, acetylene and oxygen. Um, when they started electric welding, they would take a, a, a steel rod and dip rags in oil and wrap around that rod. And, you know, we've come from dipping rags in oil and wrapping it around the rod for arc welding to um, laser welding. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's progressed through the years. Um, What I do is uh, pretty basic. You know, we, we TIG welding is 99, 99% of my work. We do a little bit of MIG, but mostly TIG, which is, more precision, precise, um, but they have friction welding. They have uh, uh, laser welding, electron beam welding. It's endless. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually advanced beyond what I've tried to keep up with. So yeah, yeah. And then uh, I know you mentioned you have uh, some 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 employees. Are they uh, they work with you directly right there in the shop? Yes, they do. Awesome. Yeah. How many how many guys you got? Under? I have two. We're uh, we're very small. Typically, it's been uh, uh, me and one other guy, and then recently I brought in my nephew who's twenty two, nice. um, trying to teach him the trade and right. and, and help him along. Uh, my other welder Jeff that I brought in um, when I first opened, he had a landscaping business. And I said, Hey, I need some help. Can you come in and help me? And he was, um, grinding, saw cutting, deburring, you know, just prepping stuff for me Mm -hmm. and sat him down and said, okay, start tacking these parts together. And he would tack parts together for me so I could weld them. Um, he's a certified welder now. So, um, so in 1996, he started helping me out and eventually he became an employee. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I mean, just the fact that you're bringing in your nephew, that's exactly what we're kind of geared towards on the Trades Podcast is definitely kind of gearing it towards that younger generation. I don't know if your nephew happened to, you know, try college out or have a thought about it, Um, but um, what's that experience like that you've been working with him? um, It's it's awesome. He's actually way better than I thought he was going to be, so... Um, he did a little bit of college. He kind of struggled through high school. Um, similar to me, I hated school. I couldn't wait to get out of there. And I, 
and I wasn't uh, an A or B student. I was a C or D student. Mm-hmm. And um, but I love, you know, putting things together, fabricating. Uh, brought my nephew David in, who um, kind of struggled uh, through school. Um, had a couple jobs and just didn't seem to fit in. So I brought him into the shop and he preps parts kind of like what I trained Jeff to do. And, and now, um, he's just doing awesome and loves showing up to work. And, you know, it's a, it's a small atmosphere. We, it's three of us. We're in a small, um, rent, you know, we rent industrial space in a, in a industrial park. So, uh, doing just awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You mentioned earlier, uh, Ken, before we started about the language of welding. So your nephew and Jeff, everybody's learning the same language right now. Right. How does that language equate to traveling or being in the, the world of? What, you know, the, once you know how to weld, I mean, obviously there's different languages in different countries that you go into, but the process, the actual welding process right is universal. It's the same. The machines that we use here are going to be the same um, in Germany or, or, you know, Japan or Africa, wherever it is that you would want to go to. So that part is the same. Your materials that you use are all the, for the most part, they're the same. You know, the steel here is going to be the same steel over in in another country. So... Um, does that answer your question? Absolutely. I yeah, thought yeah. that was really unique the way you were telling us earlier. Yeah. That uh, you, you have a skill that you can go anywhere in the world. You might have the actual language barrier when you get there. Right. But the job application mm-hmm. is Yeah, if you're looking same. to travel and you, you know, you could, if you wanted to visit countries, you could go work for someone, stay there for a while go to another country and, and find a welding job or a fabrication job. And you can do that same thing wherever you go. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to move uh, vertically or de-vertically, right. you can right. Uh, go below sea level. You can. Underwater welding is, uh, um, pays very well. Um, I had no desire to go under the water and weld, but uh, <laughs> uh, oil rigs are built. and I'm not sure, you know, I'm not that knowledgeable about underwelding, underwater welding, but uh, oil rigs, uh, there's demolition. You can go down and uh, recover uh, steel or whatever it is that's under, under the water. Yeah, Pi- uh, there's pipelines that are... Pipelines, yeah. Uh, cabling re- crossing. Repairing the, the... ships under, under the water yeah. so they're not dry docked. I'm, you know, I'm, it's just endless Yeah, you can do. And it pays very well. It pays well because it's somewhat dangerous too. Yeah. So, uh, I prefer to be on, on, uh, on land. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things you're going back to what you learned in the, the military you were talking about earlier. And I mentioned the mythology of what you're going through. Right. So if you're doing a dangerous job and you're, uh, willing to follow the rules, the rules have safety guidelines built in. So right. it's when you get cocky and, you know, try to shortcut it. Yeah, I know. You got a, a rules there for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Save your life. That's it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, throughout the industry, I mean, like you, you were mentioning a lot of the different uh, aspects of the technology, different ways of, of welding, um, 
and it seems like there's an endless like resource or way of continuing to learn about the industry and how to, you know, if you want to offer more services or different, different types of welding. Um, and you, you got your education through the military. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone doesn't go that route and they want to get into it, where, what, what would be like the first step within the industry to get the education? And then what would be education after you already have a job, you're working with someone, what would be that education like? Right. Good question. Um, most colleges will have a welding course or a, a sheet metal course or a machining course. Uh, it's not just welding you have machining and sheet metal too that go hand in hand with each other mm-hmm. i know locally uh palomar college has a welding class um and i don't before before covid i'm not sure about now but um el Cajon high school had rop which is an adult ed yep. and you could learn the three basics you know the tig tig welding mig welding and arc welding mm-hmm. or stick welding as a lot of people call it um, yeah, for sure. College, you know, uh, can help you there. And, uh, and then, um, like I said, locally, the ROP or adult yeah. education, the, the junior colleges, their, uh, um, trade programs are really affordable, right? Very affordable. You can get in and get out in six months or a year and have a, a qualification skill ready, ready for a job. Absolutely. Now they'll teach you like, ROP uh, in El Cajon High School will teach you enough to where you can run a bead and pass a certification. But what you need to do, that's, that's awesome. That's a great start. But what you need to do is get a job for somebody. Um, just because you know how to weld doesn't mean you know how to put something together. Mm-hmm. You have to learn the other side of it. You know, it's uh, not just welding. You have to learn how to clamp parts together. Uh, whenever you weld something, it shrinks more than it grows the heat will make it grow and then when the weld cools off it shrinks i work uh, a lot of times uh, the tolerances are a couple pieces of paper thick when you're building a box aluminum box that electronics go into it and they have to be fit just perfect you're you're talking you know like three sheets of paper mm-hmm. tolerance so um, you have to know how much it's going to shrink. So you can go to school and get your um, skill as far as knowing how to weld, but then get a job somewhere and listen to the older guys because they know how to do it. And yeah. and you can learn the actual how to put it together part. Yeah, Absolutely. I want to go off track a little bit, Kevin. Okay. You might appreciate this. Yeah. So we talked about being able to weld underwater. Uh-huh. And right now uh, we got Elon Musk in the news, and he's got all these spaceships. <laughs> You're getting into the trades right now, learning some basic welding skills. Yes. In 20 years, where do you think those skills can be applied at? In uh, space? Well, yes. I mean, we already have the space station, and if they needed to repair something up there, I'm sure they could figure it out and do it. But, um, yeah, you could uh, – could be welding in space. Uh, we weld a lot of things that go into space, and a lot of it isn't hands-on. It, some of it with the metals they use today are in a um, completely inert or clean atmosphere. So you can be a machine operator. I mean, you know, you can 
like a computer controller. Uh, so if you like welding, you can also learn how to do the computer side of it. And, okay. and you're, con- you're controlling the welding by a computer. Basically with machining, they have CNC machines yeah. and um, CNC sheet metal machines. Now these people um, not only know machining or sheet metal, but they run a, they're basically running a program. And so there's, there's other areas in, in the fabrication or metal so, industry. So r- right now you can take your basic welding skills and in a, in a, in a four year time span, mm-hmm. you know, be a, at a journeyman level and have yep. also been working on programming or maybe not programming, but how to run a program, how Computers. to run a program or program it. Yeah. Yeah. So that you're working on a, like you said, in a clean room environment for, right. for stuff that's super high precision. A lot like titanium to weld titanium, which is strong and light, which I think a lot of titanium is in fighter jets or rockets or spaceships. Mm-hmm. Um, that has to be completely uh, welded in a, in what the inert atmosphere or con, in a chamber, area. like in a box, right? Yeah. And, uh, some of these boxes can get pretty big when you're building a ring or a big ring that has to go uh, on a spaceship or on a fighter jet. Yeah, or just like the casing of a um, a jet engine on a 747. Mm-hmm. Those those things are eight feet around, I think, in yes. some of the bigger engines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so and sometimes they when you I've welded rings for a company. They're they're done now reyes machining out in el cajon california mm-hmm. um, they were they specialized in jet engine rings and instead it to make a ring out of a solid block of aluminum or steel or titanium was so costly they would form a ring so once you form a ring that would have to be welded and i did quite a few of these and you have to weld it a hundred percent the ring could be one inch thick, mm. you know, so you put a big old bevel, you prep it and you have your weld, it's x-rayed and it has to be welded a hundred percent. So you're taking a one inch thick ring down to one sixteenth inch and you weld the two pieces together because it's formed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're just running pass over pass over pass. Yeah. Some of that's done uh, physically by hand, and some of it's done by machines. So uh, getting back to space and (laughs) Elon Musk, I think a lot of it's going to be done with machine welding and someone operating a computer. Heck, yeah. We're going to see either Ken or your nephew up there with the the astronauts helping them out, right? So that's my point, though. You start off with some basic welding skills, Mm -hmm. and then the world is your canvas on what you want to do with your yeah, career it's, after it's that. It's, it's really, yep. you know, if you love the ocean and, you know, can't stand being away from it, you know, you have your boat for your off time and, you know, your dive gear for, you know, absolutely your, your skill time, yeah. you know, or, you know, you always wanted to go to space, but didn't think you had the uh, schooling to do it. You yes. know, the yeah. opportunity might come up. It's being it's, a welder. It's endless where you can go. Um, you know, with with a, a basic trade, and then how far do you want to take it? That's mm-hmm. up to you. Yeah. 
Interesting. Uh, that's amazing. So, I mean, it's been great, like, from talking to you about your history, from uh, starting from Illinois, jumping into the Air Force, uh, getting to San Diego, uh, working for a reputable, reputable co- uh, company out here, and, um, you know, just building those relationships that you have over the years with Bill Stein, with these, uh, with the companies that have the government contracts. Right. Um, it's like we said, it's endless where you are able to kind of pick a trade. Like you said, stick with it, really stick with it, stick yeah. with it for a, a long period of time because you just don't know where, what opportunities are going to come alive. Yeah. But if you have that skill, that experience for a long time, people look at you it's like, this is the only guy I want to work, want to work with. Yeah. You know why? Because they've just done something with me before or getting me out of a rut or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> certain experiences like that. And, um, if I think I, it's, it's if key. I had to reiterate on anything, it would be listen to the old guys. Yeah, they taught me so much because they, you know, they're when I was in my twenties, they're in their forties, fifties, sixties, and they know they know how to put stuff together. They know the right way to do things because they've made their mistakes. They've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, listen to the old guys in your shop or That's wherever. It. Where, you know, yeah. and pick their brain. Heck yeah. Yeah. Buy them a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Ask those questions. Right. But they can teach you a lot that you, you, instead of learning and making the mistakes on your own, especially yeah. if you're self-employed, you make mistakes, it starts to cost you money. So uh, before you get to that point of being self-employed, uh, you know, by, by all means, pick the brains of the guys that have the experience because they can teach you all yeah. so much. And Absolutely. Call, and and call they want can, to also. Yeah, they do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they, you know, everyone likes to talk about themselves <laughs> and the old guys want to brag about themselves. I'm one of the old guys now. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, call, <laughs> now, now, the, now the thing is anybody listening in right now, yeah. call Ken Miller. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And so, they so, can help you out. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, so if you could, yeah, let everybody know if they want to reach out to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, I don't know if you're looking for more welders or... Uh, or, or I'm looking for work always. All right. Uh, and, so. uh, you, you know, I do have the website with a few pictures on it, mm-hmm. but I also have uh, Ken Miller Welding on Instagram. Yes. And awesome. that's all, um, 99% of my pictures go there. So, perfect. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's important. Glad that you have that up with everybody. I don't check like it to out. turn anything away. Yeah. Uh, no, that's great. Uh-huh. So um, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, get in contact with you. Um, about emails work good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, email me at Ken Miller Welding at you know, uh, uh, yahoo.com. And, Perfect. Um, you know, we're always taking on new customers and mm-hmm. and looking for uh, unique jobs to do. Sweet. We can do one ops or we can do large production orders. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, I've been by Ken's shop quite a few times and it's always surprising and interesting to see some of the projects he's got going in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we're we're a small business. We're a small shop, uh, but we uh, like with Bill Stein on uh, the shock absorbers. I've done uh, you know thousands mm-hmm. in in one year, and it, you know we we have a nice smooth operation. We bring them in one side and they go out the other side. Yeah. So uh, we like uh, order clean and orderly, and um, you know it makes everything run a lot easier. Okay, you can thank the military for that. Yes, yeah. and I'm kind of I'm a little weird about that too. I like clean shops. Heck yeah. it is. Most it's people all... walk in and they're like, "Holy cow! I can't believe this. This is clean." Yeah. yeah. I go, "Well, we know where everything is." So that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's it's right. a it's a very interesting shop. You've got a lot of stuff up on the walls too that 
tell your story and show your interest and yeah. have some family history there. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been great to have you on the Trades Podcast here at the BBB Ignite Podcast Studio. And, uh, yeah, we can't wait to hear uh, when, you, when you're up in space next time. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I might leave that to David, my nephew. There you go. Shout out to David. Thank you so <laughs> I'm much. I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thank thanks, you, Ken. Ken. Thank you. Yeah.